Hello, and welcome to the Alacrial Tarot Podcast, your source for learning all 78 cards in the deck, deepening your understanding and developing your intuition, as well as general advice on your tarot journey. I'm Alacrial, a tarot reader from California, and your host for this podcast. In this episode, I give you a last freebie sneak peek at the kind of content I post to my Patreon a crowdfunding platform that enables creators such as myself to run subscription-based content services and build relationships while providing exclusive experiences to their supporters. Remember that, should you choose to support me on Patreon, other than my undying gratitude, you will have the option to pledge anywhere from between $2 and $10 per month to receive additional exclusive content, which will vary from week to week. Please feel free to visit my Patreon page, the link for which can be found in today's show notes, for more details. So now, we'll be going over my magical hiatus week. Seven days with no magic, no tarot, and no spiritual practice. And the conclusions I managed to draw from the experience. This episode will feature personal reflections and insights into the ups and downs of the spiritual journey, a day-by-day accounting of the thoughts that arise while taking a break from all things spiritual, and a few random metaphors that I hope end up being as illustrative for you as they seemed in my head. And now, without any further ado, please enjoy this free sample of my Patreon-exclusive content. some events that have been going on and on some uh, experiments that I decided to undertake, uh, a decision I made that I felt to be significant uh, in my spiritual and magical journey. Um, And it might sound a little counterintuitive at first, but I was feeling a real need to step back from it all, um, to really let things go. What I mean by that is Uh, Put simply, I decided to take a bit of a magical hiatus. Um, So the immediate question that I needed to answer for myself, and that also when I decided to do a podcast about it, I realized that I would need to answer for other people, was why? Why did I decide to step back from and completely take my hands off of magical practice? Um, so to to put that in perspective, that would be like no tarot reading, no spell casting, no sigils, no uh, no conversations focusing on magical theory or the supernatural. Um, no consuming any resources that have to do with that, whether that's YouTube videos or podcasts or books, um, just totally taking myself out of that world, like pretending as though it didn't exist and it wasn't at all a part of who I was. And I decided to try this for about a week. Um, but so the why was... As follows. I, put, I wrote down a little list. Firstly, I had a feeling of having very low energy. And while a certain amount of that can be attributed to things like diet, exercise, sleep, and all that sort of thing, there is a deeper sort of spiritual energy that influences how people are feeling too. So if you know that you are doing all you can to take care of your body and your mind, and you still feel uninspired or tired or just 
low energy, maybe there is something wrong with your level of spiritual energy. That's what I decided anyway. And so my reasoning was that by stepping away from magical practice and basically all of my spirituality for a little while, I would give myself a chance to reset and recharge the battery. The second reason um, is basically a synonym of the first, and that was just sort of a staleness um, that had crept into my spiritual practice. Um, and by that, I mean, you know, I would I would be reading or consuming resources, uh, uh, you know, about spirituality that inspire me, or I would be casting a tarot, or I would be doing a spell, and it just felt like going through the motions. And that's really common in various spiritual paths. I haven't been on this particular spiritual path all of my entire life, and when I was on my previous one, I remember feeling that way as well. It is really common to feel a staleness. And when that happens, uh, you do kind of have to shake things up a little. So, staleness in spiritual practice is number two. Number three, and I have mentioned this in points one and two a little bit, um, or I have alluded to it, it is a feeling uh, uninspired by things that were once inspiring. Um, and that is particularly important in the, the spiritual area of things. So, I just found no pleasure whatsoever in doing a whole bunch of, of the spiritual stuff that I had been engaged in, but it kind of went beyond that, and I just felt uninspired in life in general, and just it was, it was a really nasty feeling. Inspiration is super important, especially if you're a creative individual, um, and I am, and when you don't feel like you have anything to create or any, any creation to marvel over even, then you know, it's like, well, what the fuck is the point of anything? And you just feel really bad. It's not quite on par with depression, but it's probably in the same vein there. Um, number four, a feeling of having absorbed too much information or taking in too many viewpoints and opinions. I don't know about you, but there is a wealth of viewpoints and opinions available on every topic under the sun nowadays, and it can come at you from so many different places. And it's a bit insidious sometimes because sometimes you are consuming a points of opinion and viewpoints from people and sources that you don't really want to take into your life and you don't want that energy hanging around you and you don't you don't even really recall making the conscious choice to let those opinions in and this can come at you from social media it can come at you from uh, you know, mainstream news media sources. If you happen to watch the news, I no longer do because that was really, really, uh, you know, <laughs> high blood pressure inducing terror uh, after a while and it just makes you really stressed out. So I decided not to do that. Um, it can come at you from uh, friends of yours or coworkers, uh, people just having conversations in your vicinity. You can absorb so many viewpoints and opinions or have to entertain them in your mental space just by hearing or reading them. And you hear and read things all day long, every day. Um, so yeah, after you feel uh, that you've absorbed a little bit too much of that, it's good to step back. And so while I can't control all of the opinions that I am absorbing from all of the sources that I am, you know, listening to every single day, I did decide that I could at least press pause on uh, taking in more opinions about spiritual matters. So, hoping that that would help, uh, that's what I decided to do. Number five was a feeling of shame about a spell I did, which I regretted um, after having rushed into. Without going into too much detail about it, um, 
I was motivated to relieve some suffering that was happening in the lives of some people uh, that I once knew, and then also uh, my family, my immediate family. Uh, I am very, very susceptible to uh, emotional distress. I would consider myself, if not an empath, then to have a higher degree of empathic awareness than your average human being. And so when somebody that I really care about is stressed out or is, you know, uh, sad, it bothers me and I want to fix it. Um, now, I didn't just come up with the path that I was going to take. I didn't just magically come up with the spell that I was going to work for this. I decided to lay out a tarot spread and see if I could get any advice on the best way to proceed, reasoning that the tarot would identify, you know, if I shouldn't take any action, if I should take any action, what kind it should be, and I figured that I would be on much safer ground than if I had just thought and applied my own mind to it. Well, long story short, well, not so short because I'm continuing to blather on about it, um, the cards didn't make a lot of sense to me. They didn't help me to connect with a deeper sense of my intuition or my understanding about the topic, which they should have done, but I can't really blame the cards. I was in an emotional state, and I couldn't hear what they were trying to say. Of course, looking back on it, if I had just listened to my heart, and in fact, I think I even knew part of this when I cast the spread. I knew the outcome. I knew what was going to happen. Um, but I decided to uh, in, to basically go with the op- opposite interpretation. Of, and it didn't feel right, but I did it anyway. Um, and basically, the opposite interpretation in this case was to go ahead and do a spell. What I originally thought should happen was, there's nothing you can do in this situation. Just try and, you know, comfort people as best you can. Um, but yes, I went ahead and chose to interpret the cards because there it was possible that that wasn't the correct interpretation. And reasoning, I guess, that doing something was better than not having done something, uh, I decided to go ahead with a spell that uh, I didn't fully believe in, I didn't feel was a good idea. There was just, it's weird, because I was in two minds about it. I did it, and I put forth all the passion and energy that I could put into it, um, but I knew that it wasn't the right thing to do, even as I did it. But I went ahead and I did the spell, and uh, later on, when I was reflecting about it, I regretted it because I realized that I did not take into account the free will of everybody involved. Um, Not that I tried to force people to do anything or, um, you know, I didn't breach my ethics per se, but I just looked at this and thought, that was foolish of you because there are forces, much greater forces at work here than what you can comprehend, and indeed, than what you can influence. And who are you? You don't even live near these people. You're not even in the same state as them. So why would you Why would you be trying to magically alter things from afar? Um, you know, so I was, I was beating myself up about that quite a bit, obviously, because I have quite a bit to say about it now. Um, suffice it to say that uh, I have since worked all that out, Um, And that involved asking for a bit of forgiveness, and that involved um, learning. And you should learn. You definitely should learn. Nobody is perfect. Nobody's perfect morally. Nobody's perfect ethically. Nobody's perfect uh, at anything they do. Um, And so while 
ultimately no harm done from the spell that I chose to do, I learned from that experience. And I learned also a little bit of something about intuition and about um, the place of tarot, even in my practice, you know, which and tarot is very, very essential to my practice, as this podcast is all about tarot. Um, so, so it was a learning experience, and it ultimately wound up being a good thing, and no lasting negative effects have transpired as a result of it, but I still was like, hmm, I regret doing that, I regret that I made that foolish choice, and I regret my decision-making process there. Okay, so moving on to number six, the reason why I went on magical hiatus. Um, I actually received a very strong message from a divinatory deck of cards uh, that was not tarot. So I had purchased, um, because there was a sale going on at the time, uh, the 40 Servants deck, which has been created by Tommy Kelly, um, who has a podcast and a website, which is called Adventures in Woo Woo, which I will go ahead and put in the show notes of this podcast so that you are able to go ahead and look it up if you'd like. Um, and find out what he's all about. But yeah, he created a divinatory deck, and indeed, um, they're not just uh, used for divination, they can also be used for magic um, as servitors. So yes, the deck is called The Forty Servants, and I went ahead and purchased a copy while it was on sale, and also his publication called The Little Black Book, uh, which is sort of the companion guide to the deck uh, with some advice on how you can go about using it. And so when I got the deck, I was shuffling through it and um, just kind of mulling over uh, some questions in my mind, waiting uh, to see what kind of answer I might get from it. And I figured what I would do is I would go ahead and shuffle and I would turn a card over and then, you know, take my meaning from that. But actually, as I was thinking about it, and as I was thinking about my magical practice and what I could do to kind of refresh it a little bit and to make it more meaningful to go to the next level, to level up, basically, is kind of, I don't remember the exact words that I was using, but those were the thoughts that I was thinking while I was shuffling. And I got a jump card. And I don't always put any kind of significance on jump cards, um, but this one jumped out. And I was like, okay, well, let me go ahead and take a look at it. And it was... Um, an image of a tree without any leaves on it. I don't get the impression that the tree is dead, though. I just, it is it is a silhouette of a tree with no leaves, perhaps in the fall or the winter, and um, it's uh, after sunset, and uh, the card is called The Depleted. And I thought, okay, well, that's interesting that that jumped out at me, but... I'm still not convinced, you know, that this was that this was significant. So I went ahead and I shuffled it back into the deck and I was um, shuffling some more. And so I, again, because I wasn't really thinking about the question, I wasn't putting words around the question about um, what I could do to sort of level up in my spiritual life, I decided, okay, well, maybe if, if, that's, if that was the message that I was supposed to get about my spiritual life, maybe I should actually focus on that um, and shuffle again. So I went ahead to shuffle and I was focusing this time with a great deal of intent on what can I do to improve my spiritual life? What do I need to, to level up? And the same card jumped out of the deck again. It was the depleted. And I thought, okay, that's not coincidental. Or, I mean, I guess by definition it is coincidental, but (laughs) it was magically significant to me. And I thought, okay, I need to pay attention to this card. 
I I hadn't worked with this deck before, and the depleted is, I mean, just just the word depleted is a little bit scary, isn't it? So I decided to go ahead and set that card to one side and see if there was another of the 40 servants that had a message for me about how I could go forward. If there was if there was another uh, servant that wanted to work in tandem with the depleted to help me improve uh, my life. And I eventually wound up drawing the conductor. And the conductor is kind of about uh, taking charge. He reminds me a little bit of the magician in tarot. He's kind of about taking charge and applying will and um, really taking control of your life circumstances and the course that it's taking. And so I decided this makes perfect sense. What I'll do is I will spend about a week just recharging, um, realizing that right now where I am in life, the season is such that I don't have any more energy to give. That tree has no more fruit to give. It has no more leaves. It is uh, dormant until the next spring. And so I thought to myself, all right, fine, if I am in the fall or winter um, of this particular season in my life and in my spiritual practice right now, I am just going to calm down a little bit, have a bit of a rest, and then I will return to things in the spring. Um, And then whilst I am letting all that lie dormant, I'm going to focus my attention on other areas of my life and take the conductor's controlling energy to um, some, some of the more mundane elements of life. And so that's what I decided to do. Those are the whys of my magical hiatus. And as I was going through it, I realized that, oh, I ought to be taking some notes about, uh, what I am experiencing because I, I might want to look back on it myself. And then I also realized this might be really useful for other people to take note of if they have not considered going on a magical hiatus, or maybe they have and they want to know what it was like for other people. Um, so yeah, I went ahead and started taking notes. And each day, it seemed like there would be new revelations or new ideas or a deepening of my understanding of existing ideas that I was having. So on day one, I really felt as though I didn't really know how to be without magic. Um, So much of what I do involves magic, even if I don't realize it. Uh, You know, from, you know, going in traffic uh, and traffic patterns. I don't know if anybody else does this, but, like, I find myself not necessarily doing a full-on spell and not necessarily um, even not necessarily believing I can snap my fingers or I can make a gesture and cause, you know, a change in the traffic pattern, but I do find myself sort of in an in-between space, not, you know, believing that I'm influencing traffic, but not believing that traffic is totally out of my control either, and just raising a hand and just sort of gently gesturing things aside, gesturing for a greater flow, this kind of thing. And I find that it, if nothing else, is alchemical for me. It helps calm my mind, and it helps me to see openings, and it helps to do something with myself uh, in between waiting for people to change lanes, and for in between waiting for stoplights to change from red to green, etc., etc., singing songs. Uh, I don't think we realize that we put intent behind the songs that we sing sometimes. If you are singing, you are resonating with that that tune, with that those lyrics. And I realized as I was singing, I thought, oh my gosh, you know, that is 
if, if I mean, that's kind of a way to be manifesting things, isn't it? Uh, if I am singing uh, breakup songs consistently, is it any wonder that I'm not attracting my mate because I am functioning in that vibrational space? Um, if I am singing songs about bitterness and despair, is it any wonder that, like, I am sad? <laughs> that sort of thing. Um and yeah, I think that people don't realize that whatever they sing along to, they're putting intent behind it. That is a spell of sorts. Um, so yeah, songs. Uh, and, you know, feeling energy off of people and off of situations. That is a magical thing that happens on a daily basis without you even thinking about it. Visualization. Uh, you use visualizations when you do spells. You use visualizations when you're traveling in the astral realms. Um, when you're meditating, visualization is very key. And that's an everyday magical element of life too. And then also uh, affirmations or manipulations of my own mental state would be magical acts that I do on a daily basis from recognizing that my mind is spiraling into a sad or depressed state and arresting that and saying no, uh, be an adult about these things, have emotional intelligence and be emotionally mature and recognize that you do not have to exist in that emotional state. And so bringing myself out of, um, out of sadness and depression, you know, intermittent though those states may be on a daily basis is in its way a magical act as well. And so all these things are magic that we do, or at least that I do, every day without even realizing it. So yeah, the first thing that I realized is that magic happens so often, all the time, uh, without me even realizing all of the magical stuff that I'm doing. Um, following along on that, I realized how critical it is that I believe that everyone has access, free access to magic. Um, part of part of why it was so difficult to not do magic for a week is the fear of losing magical ability or potency. Um, I have an intense dislike of this uh, scenario when it occurs in, in fiction. I'm sure that you can, if you're any kind of uh, fantasy novel buff like I might be considered, uh, you might have noticed that at various points uh, the hero loses his abilities, loses his power or whatever. I hate it when that happens. Or m maybe in like a superhero movie or something. And the question is, will he ever get it back? Oh my god, what the hell is going on? You know, it's, it's very panic-inducing. And I always found those situations particularly stressful. And here I was faced with sort of the real-life equivalent of it. Would I decide to go on magical hiatus and then not have access to magic anymore? I mean, it's absurd when you put it into words like that, and yet that's the sort of thought going through your mind, and I think that's what prevents people from taking a break sometimes. Um, that, that sense that, well, if I stop, then I might, you know, never, uh, never have access to it again. Um, in a way, though, that's kind of what it, what is happening. That's precisely what is happening. I mean, fear of losing magical potency. All right, well, when you are in the state that I was in, when you're kind of burned out on magic, what are you doing? Uh, are you capable of the great acts of magic in the past, or are you capable of articulating divine wisdom and insight in the same way that you would be if you were feeling really refreshed and recharged? Of course you're not. That's just the nature of a spiritual practice. There are ups and downs. Uh, when we are low, we're energetically not as capable of the things that we are when we're on a spiritual high. And it is natural. There is sort of, you know, 
life doesn't flow in a straight line. It sort of has these ups and downs and these curves to it. Um, it was very similar from my past uh, spiritual practice when I was a practicing Christian. Um, I would experience this as a feeling of closeness to or distance from God. Um, and it's very similar. It's very similar. Those definitely have parallels. But yeah, we we don't have access to the same level of energy or the same magical potency or just in general spiritual potency when we are feeling low. So in a sense, it didn't make sense for me to be afraid that I would lose magical potency because I already had done. And the whole point of going on the magical hiatus was going to be to help me to restore some of that. So yes. And then the third observation that I had on day one was noticing the tendency of my mind to use magic or spirituality as an escape. Um, A lot of times we have a lot of mundane things to do during the day, uh, during the natural course of the day. We have work to do, we have uh, pets to take care of, uh, dinner to cook, kids to feed, you name it, we've got it. All of these things are just natural parts of being human. Um, And sometimes they're not all that fun. And we find our mind wandering. We find that we're thinking about other things. We find that while we're at work, we're thinking about what to make for dinner. While we're making dinner, we're thinking about, you know, having sex that evening or whatever. It could be so many different things, but we're never mentally in the present. And I was finding that when I was doing something that I didn't particularly want to do during the present or that I didn't find particularly mentally fulfilling, I would let my mind wander to spiritual things and I would be contemplating spirituality and spiritual practice nonstop, constantly going over the same ground over and over again mentally. And obviously that wasn't a recipe for uh, inspiration and success in the long term. On the second day, I had more observations. Uh, more magical ideas began occurring to me, and I began to notice more synchronicities. It just happened to be that Avengers Endgame, the continuation of Infinity War, came out. And so I went to see it, and I have a number of opinions about the film, and in case you haven't seen it, I shan't put any spoilers in this, um, but suffice it to say that there was time travel involved, and I was really disappointed with the explanation in the movie about time travel, because they kind of wanted to make it sound sciencey, and I don't think that they particularly succeeded, um, but that is that is a topic for another thing. Anyway, I was thinking about temporal mechanics, and I started to see... Um, a lot of synchronicities around this. After I had watched that movie, a few days later, I completely, uh, in an unrelated sequence of events, or seemingly another movie that had to do with causality and had to do with time travel and um, all all related things. Um, so I just I just began to notice synchronicities everywhere. They just happened a lot. So then I began to contemplate uh, what magic should actually be used for. Why the practice of magic might be a bad idea. That is to say, why doing magical acts purely for the purpose of practicing your magical abilities might be a bad idea. A balance needs to be struck. You you don't live in a totally spiritual world, in a totally magical world. Um, most of the time, for people, it's the other way around. They get too wrapped up in the mundane aspects of life, and we're encouraging them, oh, but you know, you are a spiritual being having a physical experience, and you need to acknowledge that, and you need to honor that, and you need to have a spiritual side. 
Well, that's well and good if the natural bent of those people is to be focused on the mundane aspects. But if you were like me and had gotten completely fixated on the spiritual aspects, then you're totally missing out on the mundane parts, the physical experience that you're supposed to be having. So a balance needs to be struck. If you realize that you're spending too much time mentally in one arena rather than the other, well, maybe it's time to sort of balance it out a little. And if you are doing magic just to practice doing magic, you know, if you are, uh, for example, trying to manifest things that you don't really need to or want to manifest, you're just wanting to prove to yourself that you can do it in a kind of experimental way, is that a good idea? Like, I don't know, is that a good application of your magical energy, of your spiritual resources? Ultimately, you have to decide. For me, I was like, huh, you know, I don't think it is. And I wasn't want to do that kind of thing anyway, but... I definitely was thinking about it and thought, no, I think I'm not going to do that. I'm going to make sure that I am really wanting to put forward energy into a spell or a tarot reading or whatever. I'm not going to half-ass it or just do it thinking to myself, oh, but it will be useful because it'll all, you know, make me more potent magician over time. It will uh, be good practice. Also, uh, the third element or the third thing less pressure or feeling of obligation to maintain a positive mindset. Like, I realized uh, that part of my magical practice was keeping my vibration at a particular level, um, even if that began to feel artificial. (laughs) And the reason I was keeping my vibration at a relatively high uh, level was because I assumed or I reasoned that Uh, doing so would enable more good things to come to me than bad things, Uh, and that being at that vibrational frequency, I would be a match for the things that I wanted to attract into my life, sort of law of attraction type stuff. Um, But since I wasn't doing magic this week, I realized that no, that's that's part of a magical act, so I'm not going to do that either. So in the absence of feeling the need to keep my uh, mental state or my vibrational state high, I allowed myself a little, you know, I indulged in a few negative feelings and a few negative thoughts. Um, And I realized that it was okay to wallow a little. And you don't have to be a total lollipop about things. You don't have to be positive senselessly all the time. Um, You can be a little cynical. You can be a little snarky from time to time. And that's okay. Um, So that was a, a useful observation that I had on day two. On day three, wow, had lots of them here. Okay, so (laughs) I realized just how much intent you habitually put into relatively mundane tasks. I sort of touched on this when I uh, was talking about my observations on day one. Uh, I also realized, number two, uh, that there was a lack of the weight of responsibility for how things must unfold when you don't feel like your magical efforts are affecting all the things around you. Magic can happen all on its own, quite apart from you, and with no effort on your part, and it can be just as lovely. And I was noticing that I was enjoying unexpected events that happened to be unfolding. There was something magical about that, because I hadn't done anything to make them happen. You know, when you do a spell, or at least when I do a spell, I tend to think, it is my belief that whatever I am asking for, whatever I am trying to make happen, should happen. It is right that it should be this way, and I, the mage, am making it so. That is a lot of responsibility, you know, not only for getting it right, but, you know, you're just having to put a lot of energy into that, and sort of, rather than working with the universe to create something, sometimes it can feel like you are fighting the universe and being like, nope, this is what I want, give it over. And it's sort of a tug of war, rather than co-creative 
And I realized that, no, I didn't have to take responsibility for ensuring that things happen the way that I want them. Magic will happen around me, and I, because I am in an observational state, can appreciate it. I can still appreciate magic that is happening totally organic and on its own without any help from me. And that's what I did. Number three, the idea that if you live in magic all the time, even if it is indeed magic you're experiencing, uh, it becomes commonplace and less special. So it's kind of like people that live in Hawaii, you know. We as tourists go to Hawaii and we think, oh, this is glorious, this is beautiful, and how, what heaven it would be to live here all the time. But people that live there don't find it to be so because they're used to it. And that's just natural. It will happen wherever you live. I myself live in California. I am the envy of tons of my friends who live in the Midwest. But California, to me, is not all that special. It's just where I live. It's just where I work. It's what I do. In fact, there are a lot of negative points that I can tell you about it. Um, but if you take a moment, you realize, no, it is a beautiful place. And I just am not appreciating it because I'm used to it. And so it is with magic. If you're constantly doing it or if you're constantly looking for it, then it does get to be a little bit commonplace and it gets to be a little bit less special. But when you're not expecting it, it can be really, really beautiful. Point number four, a podcast episode from one of my main feeds, one of the sources of content that I continually uh, listen to, and that would be Tommy Kelly, uh, made me want to listen to it in the same day. Fear of missing out came into play. And also the realization that I had a kind of social media addiction um, or a very similar phenomenon that was going on uh, was happening to me with regard to needing to consume the content that was being produced by people and sources that I respect. I needed my hit or my fix of the stuff that everyone else in my circle <laughs> was snorting, so to speak, <laughs> to escape just for a moment, whatever it was I happened to be doing. So again, this touches on the feel of uh, escapism and the feel of social media addiction combining in this way um, was really, really weird because, see, I don't have a lot of social media, um, or at least I hadn't before. I'm actually coming into it more, but I am not used to feeling fear of missing out, and I'm not used to feeling obligation to maintain feeds and content and to comment and to like and subscribe and do all of these things that I feel like everybody is trying to get you to do. Online is very um, commercial if you're not careful anymore. Uh, and I mean, there is that element here too in this. This is a podcast episode which I will not make available or I haven't made available to the public and for free. You only have this if you paid for it. Um, so, but you want to watch out, even, and perhaps this is not the best thing to be telling my paid listenership, but you do want to watch out. You don't want to be constantly spending money and liking, subscribing, commenting, doing all these things if it does not serve you, if it doesn't help you, or if you're feeling addicted to it, you probably need to t take a step back, take a moment for yourself, and then re return to it if you feel so inclined. I definitely felt inclined to return to the things that I was taking a break from for this week, um, and I did, and I don't feel bad about it at all, but it's sometimes important just to note that if you are feeling overwhelmed by the obligation to like, subscribe, comment, exist as part of an online community or social media world of any kind, you can take a break. You can go outside and shut it all off and disconnect, and it can be, it can be a wonderful experience. So yes, 
The the last point that I wanted to make on day three was that I realized um, that a thought had crept into my mind that maybe my battery uh, spiritually is refilled and I'm ready to get back into magic. Ultimately, I dismissed this because um, it felt like this might have been a thought that was trying to get me to weasel out of my initial commitment to the magical hiatus. So I ultimately decided to go ahead and keep this up for a full week. So reassessing things, I I decided that my magical batteries were probably about 40% full at this point. I was definitely feeling better. I was feeling more inspired, which just goes to show even a brief break can be really helpful. But because I had already more or less committed to a full week, I decided that I would go ahead and stick it out. And that was my observations for day three. On day four, I had a few observations as well. First of which was that the importance of having interests outside the spiritual and magical uh, realms cannot be overstated. This is incredibly important. <laughs> it made me think of a favorite quotation of mine from Penny Dreadful. If you have not watched Penny Dreadful, I definitely recommend. However, there is a small caveat. It is quite dark, um, and so if you if you find that you are very affected by taking in dark content, you know, proceed with caution <laughs> sort of thing. But it's also very psychological, and it's very good. But there is a main character in it who would consider herself a spiritualist. She's kind of a witch. She's kind of a tarot card reader. Um, So I obviously felt an affinity for her, and her name is Vanessa Ives. And there is this moment in which she is speaking to one of her friends, and she says, Life isn't all tarot cards and pagan blood glyphs, you know? And that, that was very applicable to my musings about magical hiatus. The importance of having interests outside the spiritual and magical is a thing. <laughs> you, you cannot get so wrapped up uh, in magic and spirituality that you fail to notice uh, the beautiful elements of the mundane in life either. And I had kind of touched on that on a previous one too. Also, on day four, there were a lot of irrational fears which just popped up. You know, random things that creep into your brain and cause you to worry about life, events that are very unlikely to ever happen, <laughs> that I thought, oh my god, what if they were to happen? And it's kind of just your brain torturing you, isn't it? Like, are you ever just going along fine and your brain pops up with like, hey, but what if we were to worry about this? Wouldn't that be a good idea? And you think, oh my god. Well, one of the ways that I had addressed that in the past was in a magical spell, prepare a magic whatever, but do some magic, putting your brain back in the right place, so to speak. And I just realized, no, there are other there are other tools at your disposal um, for for fixing that kind of thing. When when irrational fears happen, there are so many things that you can do that do not involve magic. And I went ahead and I employed a few of them and I felt better and I realized, no, I don't need to jump to magic every time um, a random anxiety floats through. Okay, last bit of uh, realizations on day four were the recognizing that there is some overlap between magic and psychology. Um, I considered creating a personal timeline of events, significant events in my life. And this is not an original idea. This was an idea that I originally heard of, but I'm sure she wasn't the creator of it either. But I heard it from uh, Kellyanne Maddock, whose content I enjoy. Uh, She definitely uh, has some interesting things to say about it. So rather than try and summarize it here for you, I will just go ahead and provide a link to her channel uh, 
in the podcast notes. Also, I began to realize that there was um, a link between thinking about what I believe about the nature of time and temporal mechanics and how that impacts my tarot practice. I think it's really good for tarot readers, um, especially if they read with any kind of predictive wherewithal, to really have considered what they think about how time works. I definitely uh, came up with a few conclusions this week. I came up with a theory, uh, and I put it to paper, and just kind of ruminated on it a little. And I thought this will be helpful when I resume reading tarot cards, because it's important to know how I think time works. If I'm making a prediction about what's going to happen in the future, I need to be able to say, or at least just for my own purposes, in my own head, I need to know how I feel time works and how that jives with what I'm telling a client. If if I don't have some kind of feeling or belief about that kind of thing, then what am I even doing? <laughs> you know? So, so that's important. On day five, I recognized that there were the appearance of some shadowy personality aspects coming to the surface uh, at at work. And I suspect um, that, in general, not having the emphasis on spiritual magical practice freed up some of my mental pathways um, for being a little bit more cynical and a little bit more snarky uh, when it comes to interpersonal relations. And so there were a few shadowy personality um, traits that came forward. So yes, just realizing that there were some shadowy aspects that were coming forward and um, that I didn't have to deal with them in a magical way, that I could save that and deal with it in a magical shadow-working kind of way if I wanted to uh, later, uh, or um, just addressing them through the more mundane means that I have at my disposal, through some um, personal psychoanalysis, through some uh, meditative efforts, something like that. Um and I haven't addressed them yet, and I will just sort of play it by ear for how I want to handle that situation. Nevertheless, I just noted, ah, this is coming up, and maybe it wouldn't have come up if I had been, you know, fully steeped in my magical spiritual practice, but maybe it's a good thing that it did, because I, I don't want shadowy aspects of myself that I need to be dealing with to be hiding from me, do I? So if taking a little magical break helped certain personality traits come forward... You know, maybe if I were steeped in in the, the, the magic at the time, if I were totally using magical thinking about everything, I might have been looking at um, some of the interactions that I had had as, you know, oh, well, this is the result of, you know, other people's negative energy, and that's what's causing them to say these things that are pissing me off, instead of me thinking to myself, gee, I am responding to this in a way that I didn't really expect of myself, maybe I have some shadow work to do in this area, rather than like putting it on the other person saying, this is their energy coming into the situation that I'm responding negatively to, right, that's what's going on. And that's the end of that thought train, you know, now I've got some more deep thoughts to have about it. Um, all as a result of not being in that magical mindset in that moment. So yeah, that was that was useful and indulging in a little bit of shadow work a little bit later, um, doing doing some of that and seeing how it goes. Um, day, okay, so we're on day five. Number two, 
considering uh, this also is relating to some of the stuff that I was experiencing uh, with the the shadowy elements, the conversations that I was having with uh, some people, I also realized that I have rather more of an environmentalist perspective. Um, it's crept into my psychology more and uh, more or less without my notice. Um, but yeah, I just I have a deep appreciation or a deepening appreciation for um, for life in all its forms. I mean, I'm not vegan, and I'm not opposed to eating meat and um, and and all this kind of thing. But like, I have a real problem uh, with you know the thought that uh, overconsumption uh, for any reason whatsoever would cause the extinction of a species or would cause um, you know it, to some people it's just like well yes that's sad and they move on with life to me that really bothers me um, the the loss of biodiversity is something I, I don't know just indescribably sad and Prior to all this, I was not the most environmentally conscious person. Uh, sure, I, I didn't consider myself unethical or to be, you know, wanton, you know, pollutionist or whatever. But, you know, I just realized, no, I have I have a deeper appreciation than I once thought for things. Even now that I think about it, even like I'm less likely to kill insects in my house. There are a few that, you know, if they're venomous and if they're in a place that they shouldn't be and I can't get them outside, then, you know, I'll kill them. But actually, yeah, just uh, totally in the moment, I'm realizing the other day there was this spider that had made its home in a co-worker's car, and she was going to go out there and kill it just viciously. And I thought, no, no, I mean, that's that's not necessary. Why don't we just relocate it? Why don't we put it in one of the bushes here, and it'll, it'll definitely help to control some of the pesty insects around the office. And she was like, nope, well, nope, we're going to kill it. And I was like, no, here, let me come with you, and if I can capture it, then... And I did. We we captured it, and I took it far from her car and released it. And the the spider is very happily living its life somewhere. And it was it was not a spider that was going to hurt her or do anything like that. I don't. I mean, it wasn't a black widow or a brown recluse. It wasn't dangerous to her. Um, it was just you know creepy. And you know she was frightened of it, and it had it had scared her. So I wasn't about to tell her that you know oh you're being silly and that kind of thing. No, of course not. She had a very legitimate reaction to the spider, but previously i'd have been like yep just kill it it's fine but no i was like that that's a life and and why don't we why don't we let it do its thing why don't we let it do its function fulfill its purpose um somewhere else rather than killing it um so yeah just more of an environmentalist respect for life and all of its forms kind of consciousness about me has has come in has come into my personal beliefs and my personal psychology. Um, and the final observation that I had on day five was finding out a new form of entertainment <laughs> or engagement that I would not likely have discovered except for having taken a break from the magical practice, and that is audiobooks. Um, now, I've already mentioned that I definitely don't want to use too many uh, tricks in my um, uh, at my disposal to escape. Uh, mundane situations, but there are situations in which, uh, you know, it's perfectly harmless, uh, I think, to go ahead and um, inject a little entertainment or to in inject 
uh, a different type of interactive experience into your life. For example, when commuting, um, when doing a few mundane tasks, like when doing housework, I thought, ah, yes, this would be a great time to listen to something. Uh, sometimes you know you want to listen to music and get into the flow and get into the rhythm, and that's fine too. But when you're not in the mood for music, uh, what do I listen to? Well, me personally, I go for podcasts and I go for podcasts and YouTube content about magic. But if I am feeling a little bit overwhelmed by all that and I don't want to be existing in that you know state of mind, and because I was on a magical hiatus, I couldn't. I thought, ah, audiobooks, audiobooks about any topic. I could choose nonfiction from uh, a completely unrelated uh, field of study. What if I chose to learn about history, for example? I could I could totally find an audiobook about history and start absorbing um, some information that way. Or, you know, just a fiction book. Um, you know, it's just, it's a narrative at that point. It's interesting new thoughts um, to consider and, you know, why not? And so now that I am on the day before, uh, I will resume normal magic. Uh, I have a few take-home points, a few reflections. Um, first of all, uh, it is a new moon today, or it is a new moon this evening. Um, so energetically, I feel that it's a good time to begin resuming my normal spiritual practice. But I'm going to take a few pointers from the moon. I'm going to learn from her. And rather than overdoing it and just going back into things full force, just all the spells, all the magic, <laughs> all of the things, I am going to sort of wax as the moon does a little. I'm just going to ease back into it. Just allow myself gradual increases in magical activity from spellcasting to channeling, divinatory practice in my personal spiritual practice, all of it. I'm just going to take things a little bit more slowly and realize that you don't have to go from new to full overnight. It's, you know, you don't have to do it. So, um, other take-home points. Uh, take-home points, I, I think I've got uh, three of them. Three major points. If I had to distill down all of my thoughts and emotions uh, about the magical hiatus week into three points, I would say that they're these. The first is mindfulness should be the foundation of everything that I do. I've touched on this multiple times already throughout the recording. Um, you know, letting your mind wander is well and good from time to time. Fantasy is well and good from time to time. But if you find that you are never in the present moment and that your mind is just frantically trying to escape whatever boring situation, mundane situation lies in front of you, it might be time to change perspective on that a little. I did find that while I was unable to escape using, you know, my uh, magical contemplations, uh, you know, I wasn't able to, I wouldn't let my mind go into them. I was like, nope, I'm not thinking about magic. I'm not doing that. And because I couldn't do that, and I didn't have an alternative immediately to hand, um, I just concentrated on what I was doing, on what my hands were doing, what the task was ahead of me. And it was really good. I found that things actually went a little bit faster because I was engaged much more in the present moment and much more in flow. Um, so that's important to do. That's an important state to be in, I feel. So yeah, mindfulness should be the foundation of everything I do. And I developed a few questions to ask myself for when I feel the frantic, obligatory, or stale energy that I had felt before, which ultimately led me to the magical hiatus in the first place. And that was, very simply, the first question is, is your mind in the present? If you answer no, well, then, you know, obviously, then you can 
start to bring it back into the present through whatever technique is appropriate to the time. Uh, the second question I had for myself is, have you been spending a lot of time consuming content on social media, nonfiction books, etc., and all from the same category? Because if you have, that's probably a pretty good indication that it's time to switch things up a little bit there, too. Um, am I simply trying to escape the present moment was the next question I had. And if so, why? What, what are you doing that? What is motivating that? Is it because you're afraid of being bored? Is it because that you have other work that you want to do and other priorities that you would rather be doing? You know? Consider why. Why are you trying to do that? And if you need to make a change, then go ahead and make a change. Um, and the last question that I had for helping to diagnose whether or not my mind is just sort of wandering all over the place uh, is, do I need to visit any of the other interests that I have? Uh, do I need to disallow a category or an area of study uh, for a while in order to appreciate it more? In other words, do I need to take another magical hiatus? But maybe it's not a magical hiatus this time. Maybe I'll get addicted to audiobooks, you know, in which case it will be maybe I need to take a week and just ban myself from listening to audiobooks. Just force myself to uh, engage uh, with some of the other forms of entertainment and mental stimulation that I have at my disposal. Okay, um, so that is the first take-home point. Mindfulness should be the foundation of everything that I do. Number two, I need to wait longer between setting my intentions uh, and spells out into the universe. Why? Okay, well, best analogy I could come up with is something like a band playing a really raucous song in an echo chamber, just like full blast, going at it, boom. That would sound awful, wouldn't it? Nothing would sound good because it would be, you know, the sound waves would be crashing backwards and forwards and overlapping with one another, and it would just become a sea of noise and sound. But if you put forth just a single note at a time, you know, and you allow the echoes to return, it can really add something to the music, up to and including even setting up a kind of resonance. But that requires patience, and it requires for things to be thought out. And so it is with magic. I need to wait longer between the, you know, between spells that I might do, for example, or between uh, intent that I set. Wait a little bit longer uh, for the waters to settle, so to speak, before I go making more waves. If I'm not careful, I'll just end up with a whole bunch of senseless splashing. And that's kind of what I feel. You know, if you think of, uh, you know, setting for dropping a stone in a lake or whatever and letting the ripples go out, I just need to let things calm down before I do it again. Or I need to be very conscious about the ripples that I previously sent out before I drop my next stone so that I can um, build some sort of artful resonance rather than just, you know, randomly and haphazardly be chucking things into the lake or the pond and disrupting the local wildlife and just making a huge mess. I think that it would be really easy to make a mess magically. Um, or maybe I was, in fact, living in a, a bit of a mess magically, and the magical hiatus more or less allowed things to settle a little bit before I go and start trying to change things again. It's very important to let things, let all of the consequences that arise as a result of your magical actions come to be before you start doing a whole bunch of other spells that may have overlapping or interfering consequences on the ones that you were originally doing. I guess my point is that you can make a mess. You can make a mess really easily. So try to avoid making a mess. <laughs> and to do that, yes. Point number two, wait longer between setting forth your intent. That's my, that's my point number two. And then the last point, point number three, is to have a sense of trust. 
Well, the obvious question would be, in what? And unfortunately, I don't have an obvious answer. I really am not sure. Um, it reminded me of a Star Wars quotation, though. At uh, at one point, I think it's in the f- maybe episode one or something like that, Phantom Menace, um, Qui-Gon Jinn says, you must have faith. And Obi-Wan replies, in what? <laughs> and Qui-Gon comes back and says, that the universe will unfold as it should. And I think that's very apt. Um, sometimes you do need to just have faith that the universe will unfold in it in the way that it should. Even if you don't believe in a specific deity or in God or in source or in the universe for that matter, sometimes you just have to kind of let go and just trust that things are going to be okay. Even if it doesn't unfold as it should. Um, <laughs> I talked previously about feeling the weight of responsibility of, you know, you're making changes to things. If you feel like your actions change things hugely, then you are responsible for how things go. Sometimes it's nice just to let go, take your hands off, and just let things, let whatever needs to happen, happen. Let whatever arises, arise, and deal with it by reacting to it, rather than trying to preemptively squash whatever could possibly go wrong rather than celebrate whatever good thing might be coming your way, don't anticipate to that degree. Don't, like, be so detached from the present moment. Don't cast your head forward in time or be, you know, preoccupied with the past. Have a sense of trust that things are going to unfold, that things are going to be just fine, and enjoy where you are in as much as that's possible. And those are essentially my thoughts from my magical hiatus week boiled down into three succinct points. Mindfulness should be the foundation to everything you do. Wait longer between setting your intents out uh, in your magical practice and trust that the universe is going to unfold in the way that it should. And there you have it. In closing, as a special thank you, I would like to mention the incredibly talented Dylan Craig for providing the music for our show. If you would like to collaborate on a musical project or book a recording session with him, please see his contact information in the show notes. As always, please feel free to contact me via email at alacrealtarot at gmail.com. That's A-L-A-C-R-A-E-L-T-A-R-O-T at gmail.com with questions, comments, and general thoughts. You can also find all of my contact information in the show notes. I happily read for clients both near and far, and if you're interested in booking a reading, please feel free to reach out. Thanks again for listening, and blessed be.